Yeah, this show is be- just becoming a celebrity gossip show at this point. I saw some headline about a a guy from a famous band that I've never even heard. I know they've been around for a while, but uh, I've never heard of him. I'm not going to summon the demon and name him or them, but I saw the singer from this band. Who I, I know, I, you know, even though I've never heard this band, I know his name. He's got a really big name, and he got caught sexting. He cheated on his girlfriend or wife by sexting, doing a little sexting, and it's news. It's something all these people are talking about. And it made me think of Marshall McLuhan, you know, his talk of the, about the global village, how there's you know, no evidence that technology brings us closer together. It actually brings out more hatred and negativity and tribalism. You know, he made that point decades ago. So he wasn't even going to, he just knew, he, he knows the patterns of people. And so even though he was saying this before the internet existed, just by using like TV and you know, contemporary technology, radio, phones, all that. Like he's thinking the same exact thing that we're seeing play out now. But you can see it with this gossip stuff as well. Like it's obviously negative. It's negative to talk about somebody's private life publicly and to have an opinion because people they write editorials about it. Like it's someone's job. They're being paid to write an editorial or an article about how this famous guy sent sects. Which is funny, like a guy from a band, sex are a big deal. Like you think about all the women in the 1970s who who have some sort of story that's like, oh, uh, Mick Jagger hit on me, you know, after a show or, you know, whoever, Motley Crue. <laughs> like imagine like being Sunset Strip in the 80s, like how many girls are like, yeah, Tommy Lee hit on me after the show or Tommy Lee, you know, tried to sleep with me, whatever their story is, or, or she did sleep with Tommy Lee. But it's like now in this age of data, like people don't talk about this enough, how fucking insane it is that not just like people are communicating that way, but that gets screen capped. Like the number of text messages that get screen capped and sent throughout the world for everybody to see is so crazy. And we just accepted that. We just accepted that somebody's private communication like that could be distributed. But it, point being, like that didn't exist at one point. Like a guy from a band sexting women. I didn't look at it. I didn't look at what he said. But still, just the, the premise of it, that that's news, that that's controversial. But that's the thing. It's like we're in this world of data. So it's like the fact that he did that becomes data that can be it becomes information. You know, we, we're the information age in that way because people tend to think of that as, oh, we're consuming so much information and so much information is being presented. It's also that things become information. Like, yeah, that like it would have been information before that like a guy from a band was trying to sex with or just talk to women, sleep with women. That's information as it is like just sharing that is information, sharing that information. But with phones, it's like it's actual, it's like data information. It's computer data. And that's, it's just become par for the course to treat it that way. Like, here's some data. And it's something that just never would have come up in the age when, like, a guy from a band in the 80s or 90s or up until recently, not that long ago, we don't have to go back decades to find this, where a guy from a band, though, would have been. He would have made a pass at a woman, as they say, making a pass. He would have done it at the show or, you know, a club or he would have called her on the phone or, you know, whatever it was. She wouldn't have recorded it. There would have been no record. Like the only way that information gets around is her telling her friends. 
and it's not really going to go anywhere. But now that we are where we are, it's like this guy from a band did this and here are the messages. Here's the data. And it's weird though. It's like, it shows you that we're in a global village. Like, you know, a village is filled with gossip. You know, a community of any size is filled with gossip. People always talk about a small town. Like you would think in theory, like living in a small town would mean, yeah, you know, people kind of do their own thing. Everybody knows each other, but it's like they know each other so well. What is there to really say? But the opposite is true, where it's like everybody's in each other's business. Just some small town in the middle of nowhere, like they're in each other's business more than even in the city. And uh, in the city, like, I don't know, like if you live in an apartment building or something, gossip doesn't spread like that. Like you don't have a community with the people in your building. You usually don't want much to do with them. But I think a city's different though, because it's, it's kind of like you're living in a world of gossip. Like in a city, uh, let me try to explain that. In a city, it's almost like, like a city itself is gossip, if that makes sense. Like you're immersed in just constant information, constant, just, it's overload. Not to say there isn't gossip in cities, obviously there there is. But it's, just, it's a totally different thing. It's kind of unnatural. I mean, I think it's very unnatural. But in just a community, in, in like, in a, in a small town, it's like gossip just spreads. Um, but, uh... What was I going to say about that? But in the global village is what I was going to get into. Like I was saying, like the city itself is just kind of, it's just noise. That's all a city is to me. Um, but with, uh, i got to get my train of thought back here. Um, a city's noise. But, you know, I think, I think the, uh, the difference is, is that like the global village is kind of a product of the city. Like the city connects you to other places and it's also the hub of technology and it's technology that's formed the global village. So whereas in a city, like you don't care what your apartment neighbor is doing and there's noise and you don't even know who any, any of the people in your neighborhood are. Like we're now connected mostly via city or suburban areas to everybody in the entire fucking world. And that's the global village. You're in everybody's business. And you can see what people do when they get online, which is they gossip. They talk shit. They've been doing it consistently. They get really negative. I mean, it started right away. That, that's something that wasn't studied. That's something that wasn't, maybe it was studied, but that's something that wasn't really given enough attention. Where, you know, when we first got the internet, people immediately started attacking each other. But it was lighthearted. It, it, was, it was bullying. But it was, it was for humor mostly and to be right and to argue and things like that. But even among nerdy people, like somebody had found like some sort of, I don't, what's the old internet from the 80s, early 80s called like Usenet or something. I don't know if it was that, but it was, it was some sort of like very early internet that I think you could only access probably from colleges or something. And Return of the Jedi, the Star Wars movie, if you didn't know, if you didn't know, that's a Star Wars movie, but Return of the Jedi had just come out and people were arguing about it online. Like Star Wars fans were arguing about the movie immediately. And you wouldn't have gotten a taste for that. You know, you like if you if you were alive like me in the 90s, like I wouldn't have known as a kid 
that people had argued about Star Wars. Like there was no way to know that. I couldn't get online and be like, oh, what was the opinion of on Return of the Jedi when it came out two years before I was born? You just wouldn't know. But at the time, if you were a nerd and you were on the internet, you found some reason to argue with other people about this movie. Like I looked back at Star Wars and just thought like, oh, everybody loved it when it came out. People just loved it. But no, there were nerds nitpicking it. There were people who didn't. And I experienced that with the internet myself. It's like I got online and like immediately everybody's mean. I'm mean. People are fucking with each other. You know, it's, it's, it was people's shadow. Like people would express their shadow online because they could. And the whole idea was that, oh, it's because people are, they have screen names and they're anonymous and there are no repercussions. And that was proven wrong. Like people just wholly believed that. For many years, people believed that because people were anonymous or hiding behind names and there were no faces, no identities, that people could just be as mean as they wanted. And of course, that contributed to certain types of meanness. Like there's things that people are going to do when they're anonymous that they wouldn't do under their own name. We can see it was totally wrong as far as like that being the source. Because we see now that like there's people of all ages. There's like your grandma on Facebook like saying the meanest shit in the world, the nastiest stuff in the world. Not my grandma. But uh, you, you see these people who, I mean, young people, all kinds of people saying things that we're just like their, their name and their face and location is linked to that comment. Everybody can see it. If you Google that person, you can see that. People get on Facebook and they're, they're connected to everybody they've ever known and they're mean to each other. You know, so it wasn't the anonymity that did that. It's obviously something in us, like something being online, being connected in that way brings out our shadow. You know, it's like the shadow side of ourselves says a bunch of mean stuff or just or something like whatever it is. Maybe it's we can see it. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just what you're saying or doing on there. It's also what you're looking at. Like you can see that like people who have really weird, disturbing, illegal fetishes immediately started pursuing that online that's their shadow too it's like some secret perversion they have and so the internet was like this shadow machine where you get on there and like if you want to find nasty illegal stuff you can find that if you want to be mean to somebody you can do that and it's not that everybody did those things but the people who wanted to do wanted to do those things realized quickly they could do them on there if that makes any sense it's not that it, it made people do that. I mean, I think it made more people do it than otherwise would, especially some of the, you know, the way, to, way people talk to each other and things like that. I think a lot of normal people, um, you know, have been nastier than they would be otherwise to people because of the internet. But all the people who want to access something really dark, all of them took to the internet. And organized over it. You know, pedophiles, audiophiles. Um, what was I going to say here? The the global village, though, you know, it's that's what's happened is like people have been brought closer together. And it's it's not just the negativity. No, it's it's not just like the the direct negativity. It's also the gossip. It makes stuff that we would never care about otherwise relevant to us all of a sudden. All of a sudden, it's relevant to talk about the singer of this band who cheated on his girlfriend by sexting. I mean, it's absurd to even say that out loud. 
and it's everybody's business and people care. Like people, the thing that's crazy is people respond to that like it is personal. Kind of like how people did in your, your high school. And people give high schools a bad rap. Like people act like high schools are the only place that happens. And, and they'll say, when, when that happens in adulthood, they'll be like, oh, that's so high school. Oh my God, that's so high school. And it's like, well, it's everything. It's not high school. Yeah, that happens in high school. Maybe more than it does otherwise because a bunch of teenagers who are figuring things out and don't know anything are in the same space all day, every day. And they're learning how to be friends with people and have relationships and date and things. Of course, that's going to be filled with gossip and all sorts of backbiting and everything. But that'll play out anywhere. That'll play out to some degree in offices. You know, that'll play out among groups of friends. It just happens. It plays out online constantly as well. But I, it kind of bugs me when people say, oh, it's so high school. It's like, where have you not seen that behavior? Like, let's let's turn it around and say, like, where have you not seen people gossip? Where have you not seen people have petty grievances? And one place we see it constantly is online. You know, with this headline, when I saw it, I was like, you know what? It, it, this is what I do. It's, it's almost like cutting. You know, yesterday I was talking about cutting. How, like, I, I say stupid shit sometimes, and it's like it's like me cutting the way that, you know, self-harm or whatever. It's like sometimes I, I say things that are, are just so fucking bad that I'm like, oh, that's cutting for me. Uh, but th it's the same with me with, like, clicking on a link to read about celebrity gossip. I don't do it very often. I wish I did. I wish I did it all the time. But no, I, I really, I don't do it very often, obviously, even though I talk about Haley Bieber and stuff now. But I'll, I'll do it, and it's almost like cutting. Like, not because it's painful, but just because it's like, I shouldn't be doing this. I should not be looking at this. <laughs> and uh, so I did that tonight with this, this link, and I, I was reading people's comments, which is another version of that. If you're reading comments online, if you're reading Twitter posts or anything like that, you're pretty much cutting. You're pretty much doing self-harm. As long as you know what you're doing, though. As long as you know the purpose that it's serving, I guess. And the truth is, I don't have any fucking purpose for it. There's no good to doing this. I guess it gets me thinking. My justification is it gets me thinking. But I was reading some of the Twitter posts about it, which were really funny. Not because they're actually funny, but just like to see how invested people are. Because I noticed all these men making pronouncements about how cheating is bad, which, yeah, it is. It is. But all these guys making big pronouncements, like philosophical statements about how cheating is bad. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that that guy felt the need to make a, a, it's like a toast. It's like he's the toast master. He's like sitting, he's at a, a massive dinner table at a dinner party. And he's like, he makes some sort of, he, he's about to say grace. And then instead of just you know, like thanking the Lord for the food. It's like he launches into this thing about like how no man should ever cheat and loyalty is the, you know, the true virtue of whatever. Like, I think that's like what those guys think they're doing when they say that. It's like they hear some news about a celebrity who cheated on his girlfriend and then it's like they imagine themselves like addressing people about it. This is how I feel about cheating, you know. I guess that's what I do. I guess that's what the show is. But it's funny when, when you just see somebody doing that and then like when you just see some of the different takes where people sound personally invested. And there's often that idea, like I guess he, his girlfriend or wife is somebody famous who's beautiful. 
I don't know who she is. And a bunch of the comments are like, how, how could you do that when she's your wife? How could you do that? Like, how could, who cheats on blah, blah, blah. Which is always a funny one. Like, like people cheat on their attractive spouses all the fucking time. But every time people are shocked by it. Like, they don't understand, uh, <laughs> they, just, they just like don't understand like the psychology of the human brain in the least. These idiots. No, but really, it's like, Obviously, like if you've ever dated anybody and are and are genuinely attracted to them, you don't just go, "Oh, I'm so glad she's beautiful. I'm never going to do anything bad." Oh, I'm so glad my wife's hot. I'm never going to cheat on her. Like, if you're going to cheat, it's not going to be because of that. Like, if you're so shallow that the reason you're not going to cheat on your wife is because she's hot then you're, like, you're going to be the kind of person who's going to cheat on your wife, you know? <laughs> like, it, it's just pretty obvious to me. Uh, and just the idea that, like, you know, you can get sick of somebody. There's all kinds of reasons. Like, I've never cheated. I, I think it, it's a terrible thing to do. But I can understand what happens. I think that's the funny thing. Like, people act like they don't understand what happens. And maybe they've never been involved in this. I've only been involved in that situation on the other side of it. I've never cheated on my girlfriends or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> I can understand the, the process and everything. I can see what happens. I, I can understand what happens to people. And this idea, this response, that it's like, how could he cheat on her? I don't know, what's her name? Uh, I don't know. I don't know his wife's name. I don't need to summon these demons by saying their names, but it's just like, it's funny that like, cause I see this over and over again. I mean, I, this is even, this isn't, is not an internet thing. Like this is something I remember people saying way back when, like there was always this idea that like, how could he cheat on her? She's hot. And it's just like, yeah, the, the kind of guy who's going to cheat, the, the kind of guy who's not going to cheat on his wife cause she's hot is the guy who's going to cheat on his wife. If that's his set of priorities <laughs> you know he's going to prioritize like his own satisfaction over anything else anyway but there's also a, there's, there's a more i don't want to say innocent because i don't think it's an innocent thing at all but like there is a more innocent side of it too when it's just like people meet and they have chemistry and like that person has is in a bad situation but who knows why people stay in those and it's you know, there's all sorts of stuff. There's there's all kinds of different scenarios, and I don't think any of them make it okay in the least. I'm just saying that it's like acting like it's all just based on you found somebody hot or you found somebody beautiful or anything or cool. Like you'd start dating somebody, and for a year you think they're the coolest, hottest person you've ever met, and then a year goes by, and you're like, I can't even stand the sight of this person. Uh, I've definitely had people feel that way about me. <laughs> you <know>? uh, <laughs> so it's just, it, it, I like the reaction. One thing I did say was like a young black guy being like, I was just talking about, this is a black guy's son. I was just talking about how only white guys cheat and and look what happened. Famous white guy cheat. You know? And it, it was a real guy saying this. And I was like, that's so funny too. You like, think about the audience for that. The audience that a, a young black guy is addressing when he says only white guys cheat. Like it's such a tribal declaration. It's just explicit. And, it, <laughs> and it's just such a silly thing to say for obvious reasons. 
<laughs> but I think more about the audience for that, like saying like, oh, oh, I was just saying to somebody, only white guys cheat. And then look, look, he cheat. This famous guy just cheated. It's amazing how black men don't cheat. It's just insane. How did they, how did they figure that out? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like people, people, that's a popular comment for the to make. Like he, he has an audience for that comment. And part of it's like black people who are going to clap and say that that's right. Only white men cheat. Like just anything that expresses any kind of, uh, animosity toward white people, they're going to cheer on. There's an audience for that. There's a lot of black people, obviously, who are going to say that's insane. Only, only white guys cheat. Like, you know, there's a lot of black people who aren't going to cheer that on because they're just going to be like, huh? Uh, but there, there is an audience of black people who are going to cheer it on just because it basically insert white into anything and they'll applaud. You know, I'm, I'm just it's like only white guys. I don't even know. I mean, like <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to think of other ways you could use it. Like only white guys litter. Oh, you know only white guys throw their litter on the on the into parks. Only white guys litter in parks. But there's going to be an audience for that. There's, there's going to be a certain person who's like, "Yep," because it's expressing. It's not about the what they're saying, which is absurd. It's about the sentiment, and the sentiment is I'm saying a bad thing about white people, or I'm associating a bad behavior only with white people and that's what that audience wants but the sick part is like there's another part of that audience who are progressive white people who are like yep that's how we are yep we suck we suck which is that's what they're saying that's that's the progressive way of talking they might not say that exactly although close to it but there's like yeah we suck tell us how we suck do you know we suck and they do it amongst themselves like that, that statement of like only white guys cheat from a black guy reminded me of like when I used to hang out with this group of people where like a young woman like in, would come to the bar and sit with us and she'd be like, I just got off work. Oh God, like this white lady came in and this is before people were using the Karen thing, which I fucking hate to say out loud, but it was before people were doing that, but they were already complaining about that. They were already hating their moms any way they could. So a middle-aged woman in a restaurant, like, yeah, I'm sure those women are fussy. We know they can be. But like th these girls would get off work in a predominantly white area with their all-white friends, and they'd sit down at the bar and be like, oh, you wouldn't believe this white lady today. Only white. I, I remember like somebody I knew, somebody I was close to saying something similar. Like she got off work and she was like, God, white people are the worst customers. And she was white. And it's just that sort of statement, like the we suck. Oh, what? oh yeah, we suck. Tell us how we suck. Just tell. Can you tell me how we suck? Ah, oh. it's it's almost. Uh, I mean, it's sadomasochism, or it's not sadomasochism. It's just masochism. It's plain old masochism. And that's a big part of it. I mean, Ted Kaczynski wrote about that. He talked about how the left is, a you know, an ideology of masochism, and you see it all the time. And you can see it with just that sort of generality. The fact that that audience, that guy's audience, I'm putting more thought into this guy than he put into what he said, but that guy's audience is on one hand, black people who hate white people and white people who want to pretend they hate white people because 
they want black people to like them or they want their friends to like them. That's basically what that is. But it's just funny that somebody just says that. That's somebody's take. But yes, it's living in the village. The fact that something happens involving a person you don't know who plays music for a living. He's in a rock band. He's ultra famous. I looked him up because I know his name, but I didn't know exactly what he looked like or who you know who he is exactly. And I rec- I didn't recognize him. I recognize his name and his band, but uh, you know he, he's like a fit, attractive guy in a famous band. Like, is that guy more likely? If a, it, it's like the internet, like in the same way that like somebody who wants access to dark things is going to use the internet to do that. It's like some a guy who wants to cheat who's in a famous rock band is going to use that to do that. If that's the kind of guy he is, if that's what he's going to do, he's going to use that vehicle. It's just what he's going to do. And the idea that, that would be shocking. Like imagine if that was about Motley Crue. Like imagine if, if the headline was about how Tommy Lee cheated on his wife or something. You know, people probably have talked about that. I don't know. But just it's that sort of thing. Like... And but they would be personal to you. They would be personally relevant. And you can tell with these people. Interestingly, they're probably not even fans. Like, because there's people who get so personally invested as fans that it means something to them. Like, oh, I looked up to this. I loved this guy. This guy was like my music uncle. This guy was like my music uncle. Like, they they see these celebrities as almost like a, a family member who they idolize or something. And when they do something like cheat on their girlfriend or sext, doing a little sexton, sexton, S-E-X-T-O-N, doing a little sexton. It's something like a dance. Are you doing the sexton? Oh, yeah, we, we went to the, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we went to the, to the hop the other day. We were doing the sexton. Oh, hey, I saw you at the hop and you were doing the sexton. Where'd you learn how to do that? Where'd you learn how to do the sexton like that? Sexton is a dance. It's gonna be the name of this episode, the sexton. Now he's doing. You see, uh, you see Adam Levine. That's I invoked the demon, but you see Adam Le- Levine up there doing the sexton. Now you hear about Adam Levine doing the sexton. I wish I could do that with my voice all the time, like that hoarseness. Hey, you see uh, Adam Levine up there doing the sexton. I feel like I'm, I have access to the hoarseness all of a sudden. My throat's been kind of fucked today. F- a fucked throat. That's not exactly what I mean. The sexton. A fucked throat. Jeez. Jeez. What am I saying here? Uh, but, but anyway, like, you can tell a lot of these people aren't even fans. Like, a certain number of them are. They're like, I, I care about this guy and his wife. His wife's like an aunt to me because I love his music. How could he cheat on her? How could he cheat on her? She's hot. How could he cheat on his hot wife? So there's, there's those people. But then there's these people who don't give a fuck about the band or the guy. Like, what I was seeing was all these black people. All these black people. A lot of black people, like black Twitter as they call it. Black Twitter. Were had strong opinions about this. I'm sure there are black fans of this guy's band. Probably not a ton of them, but I'm sure there are some. But it's funny that like their response is like, I have an opinion on this. I have something to say about this. The global village. Everybody has something to say. There's probably people in other parts of the world. Like obviously this band is big enough. They have fans all over the world. They're huge. 
It is huge. Huge band. Are you in a huge band? Hey, come back to me and talk to me ne next time when you're in a huge band, okay? I only talk to people who are in a huge band. Yeah, we're the huge band. It's my band. My band's called the Huge Band. We're the huge band. But, uh, what was I going to say here? Um, like, it would be like me reacting to it. And I guess I'm talking about it in a roundabout way. I'm doing an entire episode about it. I've been talking about it for how long? A half hour. We might be here another three hours talking about it. Five more thoughts. I'm, I won't turn this thing off. But it would be like me reacting to it. In that way, in that personal, emotional way. It's like me, if I had heard this news about this guy Sexton, he did the Sexton. Uh, it would be like me getting online on Facebook or, you know, Twitter and making a post and just being like, here's what I think about cheating because of what this guy did. How dare he? How dare he? Can you believe that? She, his girlfriend's, his wife's hot. His girlfriend's wife is hot. Haven't you see? How could he cheat on his wife when his girlfriend's wife is hot? Just non descending into nonsense. How could he cheat on his wife? Have you seen the way she does the sexton? But uh, other people's business becomes our own, and we have something to say about it. We're all in the same building. We're all in the, in the same longhouse. You know, we just are. And it happens when you're in high school. You know, it happens on the internet. It happens in offices to some extent, depending on the place, although it does happen there. Some workplaces, it happens a lot. There are some workplaces I've had where it's just fucking so much gossip. It's insane. All it is. You can tell right away that's the currency. Because someone will say something to you, almost like a test, I've noticed. And I've been guilty of it. I'm not saying this like I'm, uh, I, I haven't indulged in it. I've gossiped at work, certainly. But uh, someone will test you if you're new. They'll be like, they'll say something to you about something at the company. It's like kind of harmless just to test you. They'll tell you something. It's not going to be something big. It's not going to be something that would get them in serious trouble if you told somebody else. But they, they say something to you, not to, tr to see if they can trust you with a secret. They say it to see if you're willing to indulge in gossip. That's something a lot of people don't realize. Like, we think of, like, someone t confiding in us something, like, especially about somebody else. Like, sometimes we say, like, don't tell anybody. But, like, I heard Mike. I heard Mike, like, when he walks his dog, he doesn't pick up the dog shit. I hear he just lets his dog crap in people's lawns and he doesn't pick it up. And they're not saying that to you, like, because it's like, here's a secret. I'm, I'm going to trust and see if I can tell you things and you won't tell them to other people. What it is, what it is it's testing you to see if you're willing to play that game. to to Because it means they're going to get stuff from you. And the thing about gossip is when you hear it, when you get that data from somebody... You want nothing more than to go tell it to somebody else. I feel this way. When somebody gives me some hot news, especially in an environment where it's like it's it has it's it's it has its own little built-in audience. Like if somebody tells you something at work or or school or just among a group of people, anything, you want to you don't want to just sit on that. 
And I, you know, I, I'm really good at keeping secrets. Like if somebody asked me to keep a secret, I would say that I'm one of the better people to tell. That's not me trying to deceive you into giving me your secrets, but I'm just saying, like, I think I have a great track record. And that speaks volumes to me because I fucking feel the dry. I feel the, the pull to gossip when someone tells me something sometimes. And it's almost, uh, it's not painful, but it's like you almost feel like this unsettled feeling where you're like, oh my God, I got to get this out of me. I got to get this out. I got to get this to somebody. It's almost like having to go to the bathroom but and you're never going to actually go, but you have that feeling. It's like you have the feeling that you need to piss. You're not going to piss your pants. You're just going to feel that way continuously as soon as you hear this gossip. And what gives you relief is telling somebody else about it. But what people do sometimes when they, they share gossip with you, it's not because they want to know if they can trust you. It's because they want to know if you're willing to gossip. And if you respond in, in the right way, they're going to start doing it with you. It's pretty crazy. It's usually kind of a harmless one, but you'll notice someone will say it to you and they're testing you. They might not even know they're doing that. They might just have, they've already told everybody the gossip and you're a new person. But you get pulled into that, you know, because you're, you're in this little village. You're in this little building. And it doesn't have to be a literal building either. You know, it could be online. We, we've seen where this also plays out abstractly without actual people there, without actual names. I mean, this I remember this on internet message boards. Like, I remember this forum that I was on when I was a teenager. It was just tons of people gossiping because people would talk on the message board, then they would talk through instant messenger, they would talk about each other, and then that would just circulate. Someone might have 10 instant message conversations going with 10 different people, and they're sharing data about people, people talking about people. And I was really big with a... I was on a forum, I remember as a teenager, with, they had a bunch of women in their 20s, and a bunch of them were attractive. It was weird. It was a weird place for that, too. But some, and they were real. They were real women. I don't know how that worked. But it was very gossipy. Because I, I was just a teenage boy talking to these older women who were attractive. I mean, it was, it was a crazy thing, actually, that the internet gave me access to that. Not that anything, you know, didn't mean anything. I'm just saying, like, the fact that that was even taking place at all. Like, that wouldn't, the internet made that possible. Like, there's really no place where a chubby 14, 15-year-old boy, 15-year-old boy, probably around there, 16, around that age, could be talking to beautiful, like, 23-year-old women. There's just no way that you would really, unless you knew them through family or something, but it's going to be different. And I'm, I'm talking about nothing weird. I'm talking about just talking as peers, like talking about life, talking about interests, normal, just what people talk about. There's really nowhere, no interest in the flesh that would have allowed you to do that. It was really cool like when I look back on it, but it was also really gossipy, I noticed. So it played out there and... Now we see the, the role that technology has played because it used to be you could call somebody if you had news. If something just happened and you got to a place with a phone, you might call somebody. But you probably weren't going to go out of your way to do it. Like if somebody told you gossip, like you weren't going like to run to the nearest phone booth and call somebody and be like, you ain't going to believe this. Unless it was really pressing news. 
But now with, with a cell phone in your pocket where you can text people, like I'll hear things sometimes and they talk about that poll. I'll find something out or hear something and I think I should text this to somebody. I should let somebody know. I got to piss. I got to piss and send this to somebody. But you have to resist that. It's just that it's hard. And I mean, there's people probably having conversations about this. You know, there's probably people who, like, did you hear that that guy sextant? Did you hear that he did the sextant? And somebody's like, oh, no, did he? Oh, my God. What? His wife's so hot. There's people probably having back and forth about that. But the, the text equivalent of, like, like, learning something and texting it to somebody right away. Texting the gossip, sexting the gossip. You know, like the, the public version of that, like the big stage version of that, the big stage version is social media or it's gossip regs, it's headlines. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's like Rolling Stone too. You know, you think about it as like TMZ and all that, but this is Rolling Stone. And... I mean, the head, I mean, just think about where Rolling Stone is at for a second. I mean, we know Rolling Stone has gone downhill. Who knows what I would have thought about it as a kid or something. Like, if I had come of age with Rolling Stone, maybe I would have always been cynical about it. But because I only ever heard growing up that Rolling Stone was the gold standard of music journalism and just journalism in general as far as, like, telling you about cool stuff or interesting stuff or whatever they did, I... Uh, you know, it was always kind of considered the gold standard of that. And it did seem impressive to me at the time. Like in the, in the early 90s, seeing a Rolling Stone somewhere, it's not that I even read it, but just seeing it around, like my sister was into music, so I'd see him lying around the houses. It didn't seem like something embarrassing. <laughs> it didn't seem like it was embarrassing to have a Rolling Stone magazine just sitting around in your house. Like it was something where if you saw it, you'd be like, oh, that's cool. I might not want to read it, but it's like that seems seems legitimate. But there's a headline right here published by Rolling Stone today, and it says, Adam Levine's cringy sects, sects were born to be memes. Let me just say that again. Adam Levine's cringy sects were born to be memes. That's a Rolling, Stones he Rolling Stone headline. You know, I have to say, like, I, I love when people confuse Rolling Stone and Rolling Stones. <laughs> It is kind of funny that like the most famous music magazine in the world is also the name of like the most famous band in the world and they came out around the same time. Like they're so similar. Like as a kid, like you would just think they're connected. Like is that does the band have a magazine? Does the magazine have a band? But that's one of those things like Rolling Stones. I, I was checking out Rolling. I mean, it's obviously so easy to do that. But it is just funny. Like people have to contend with that Rolling Stones magazine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just the, you know, who knows? I mean, I'm sure Rolling Stone was always gossipy. They were always spreading gossip, but I'm sure a lot of it back in the day was like, oh, here's a story about uh, what Jimmy Page did backstage. And they, they would always make it seem impressive or cool. You know, they're largely, Rolling Stone is largely re responsible for these rock star myths and stuff, I think. I imagine that they were one of the first major magazines to really put that out there in people's mind that rock stars are you know these magical creatures and everything they do is wild and crazy and worth talking about you know i'm sure that they were some of the first ones to do that so it's funny though to see now like the way they're talking about these guys like like 30 years ago they would have been like oh he 
he had a, a line of groupies just waiting to go in, you know. Now it's just like Adam Levine's cringy sects were born to be memes, born to be memes. It's not absolute power that corrupts absolutely. It's absolute technology, I think. Absolute technology corrupts absolutely. Because it's like what I see from this Rolling Stone thing. I'm like, yeah, if you, you could probably go through 50 years of their magazine and show me embarrassing things in it. But I don't think you'd see anything like that headline. And what's interesting is what I'm seeing from these, I mean, People Magazine said it. And that, you know, to People, to People Magazine's credit, it's called People Magazine. So I guess the gossip is built in. But all the headlines I'm seeing, some of these from like legitimate places, some of these just from gossip magazines, TMZ, is <clears throat> they're saying how his tech, his sex are cringy. Sex are cringy. Are you the guy who sent the cringy text? Um, so it's like an analysis of his sexting. And so far I don't see anything criminal, but one of the comments I saw online that, that was interesting was a guy pointing out this headline, and I don't think it was from a news magazine or, or truly reputable publication, but it was something that gets attention. And the way they framed the headline was like, you know, more evidence surfaces from those accusing Adam Levine of sexting. I mean, maybe I should try to find it because it was interesting. And a guy was pointing out, he's like, notice how the language of this implies something criminal. You know, the way this is phrased is as if he's accused of an actual crime. And uh, it made me realize there's been a shift toward that. I think it's sort of a post-Me Too thing. Where now, like, even a famous guy sending flirtatious, cheating, I mean, I think that's cheating for sure. Because people are debating whether it's cheating. That's the other thing people do. Is that cheating? Like, and the, you know, of course it is. I agree. I agree with them. Since I'm just one of them now, I agree. It is cheating. But from what I've read, like, it doesn't, there's nothing about harassment. There's nothing about abuse. There's nothing about a crime or even anything beyond, like, you know, an issue between him and his wife here. But there's been a shift toward even coverage of that. The language becomes like accusers. Accusers say that guy sexted him, sexted her, sexted him. It'd be amazing if they did this with a gay guy. That'd be a nice twist. Like if a really famous gay guy got caught sending sex, I guess it's just implied. I guess nobody would be shocked by that. But with this... <laughs> with this, uh, where was I going? Uh, just give me a second here. Oh, it's just seeing that headline, that guy's response made me realize. Oh, yeah, that, that has been a change that we've seen recently. It didn't it would it would never have been that way. Nobody would have framed it in this sort of these sort of legal terms when they're referring to something that's not criminal. And that started to happen with that comedian Chris D'Elia. I've never seen anything he's done, but it came out that he was doing the same thing. Like he was trying to meet up with fans. That's got to be weird. I, speaking of the whole groupie thing, it's got to be such a weird experience. I guess some people like the power of it, but I can't imagine liking that. I don't say that to signal. I don't say that to be virtuous. It's just difficult for me to imagine. I, I'd be so distracted. 
I'd be so distracted if, if like a, a girl was like a straight up groupie. Like somebody who's like, a, like watching your performance live and like follows you backstage because they're enamored by your celebrity or something. Like it's just so weird to me. Like as a man, like I just can't really imagine. Like it, it one, it, like it, it, I don't know. It, it's like, uh, it's like fast food or something. That's not even the best comparison. It, it just it feels like something pre-packaged. Like it kind of it kind of ruins everything about it. And, it's, and I think it would be really distracting. Like I don't think I could get an erection in that. <laughs> Excuse me, but I don't think I could even get an erection <laughs> if that was. <laughs> but anyway, that Chris DeLeo, <laughs> he was trying to meet up with fans, and they were really young. They were like eighteen or something. And apparently they had been fans before they were adults. And so there was this controversial thing where like people were like, oh, he's a groomer. He's a, he's grooming these girls. You know, I think an argument is to be made that that's not what a man should be doing. I don't think that's a, what a man does. I don't think a man, especially a celebrity, you know, waits, you know, it's, first of all, it's not illegal. You know, it's, she's 18 or whatever she is. But it's still the situation where it's like, I don't know. I mean, we're in this new world where when could that conversation have ever happened like that without that girl like hanging around backstage? The idea that like a, a really famous guy could have conversations through Instagram, which is where this was, with an underage girl, she could turn 18 and then he could express sexual interest in her. Like that's just such a different world we're living in where that communication can happen that way. Like, it'd be different if it was like, oh, she was hanging backstage and she was underage and then, you know, she came back later and, uh, you know, two years later he came back to town and performed and she did the same thing and he tried to sleep with her because she was an adult. Like, it would be just such a different story and nothing criminal would happen and that story really wouldn't get spread around. That gossip really wouldn't spread outside of maybe that girl's group of her immediate circle of people. Like, it wouldn't be a headline published they're like oh girl this girl went to go see a comedian when she was 16 and met and met him and then she came back and saw him again next time he came to town when she was 18 and he slept with her that would be a non-headline it would just be like yeah you he met her i mean that's no different than that's no different than like marrying you know, a girl that's a few years younger than you whose family you grew up with, which is what people used to do all the time. Like, it didn't used to be uncommon at all for, like, two families who are very close, maybe they live by each other, you know, they spend a lot of time with each other, for them to have, like, a son who's, like, five years old when the daughter is born, ten years old, for that matter. And then he grows up knowing her as like a little girl and then he becomes an adult and then she becomes an adult or close to it and they marry. It was a pretty common story. It's a lot more innocent, but still like that's pretty much what happened. It sounds like is like this guy had contact with this girl. Like maybe there was something, maybe he was kind of flirty or something when he talked to her when she was underage. I don't remember the story, but it was like nothing criminal took place, but it was, it was framed as if it was. And you could argue, you know, sure, like that, that sort of age difference, that sort of imbalance where like he's a celebrity, he has a lot more control and power over the situation. You could make those arguments and I don't think it's admirable. 
actually look down on it. But I don't think it needs to be framed as a criminal act, but you saw where it was. It was treated as if this man committed a crime. And we've seen that increasingly since Me Too, and I said at the time, and I still feel this way, that there was a lot about the Me Too thing that I actually liked. And I think a lot of people wouldn't expect me to say that, maybe, based on some of my other views on things. But I think that there was a lot about it that was good. Like, the question is, like, could somebody like Harvey Weinstein have been taken down in the way he was without that? Could some of these other people who actually deserved it, could they have been taken down in that way? Like a powerful guy who's been paying off women, who everybody's been going along with, has a million stooges. The entire industry is his stooge. He has political friends. He's, you know, he was, you know, a very active uh, Democrat who gave campaign funds and stuff. So, I mean, this is a very well-connected, very famous, powerful guy who's been getting away with it forever. And this new internet thing forms and just this this general, this global village we're living in. And all of a sudden, like, people can come together to take somebody like that down. And that process can be used for similar reasons. Like, it's a way, you know, it, it brings people a little higher up and it brings the stars a little closer down. And there are some stars who don't belong to be up there. And that guy was certainly one of them. Some other examples, too, I think would fit. But we saw where like when it really took off where suddenly this is this this exists and people are getting attention for it and some people are sick and now they can use it for their own purposes. They can use it for anything. They're now a hammer and everything's a nail. And so you saw where like I think there was some initial good, like there was something I liked about it when I was seeing that it was actually you know, because I mean that what whatever that uh, that ogre is. I mean, he's a very strange-looking guy. Like something needed to topple that guy, right? And so it, it did good in that respect, but it, it just it was like a train that ran off the tracks. And it's a good example of what I talk about, like where progressivism not having any way of slowing down or stopping itself. Everybody knows this. Everybody's actually thought about it, but it's like nothing actually slows it down or stops. It just continues mutating at a, at a rapid speed, seemingly a more and more rapid speed with time, especially with the internet. It just kind of, it, it goes faster and faster. And so you can see that happen with the Me Too thing where it's like, oh yeah, nobody can pump the brakes on this once it starts. That's one of the issues with any kind of progressive cause is it's like nobody is willing to pump the brakes. It's why I use the example of the fat mannequins in Target. Love to bring up the fat mannequins. When I saw that so many of the mannequins in Target were fat that time, I just thought, oh yeah, that's because nobody can stop this from happening. They introduced fat mannequins, which were more than just a way to represent people. They were also a way of telling people they're body positive and they're, you know, they align with a certain way of thinking. Because I can tell you, like, growing up, like, I was fat. I had to wear fat boy clothes sometimes. What we call fat boy clothes. And I never looked at a mannequin and felt put off. Like I never looked at the cover of a magazine with like a ripped dude on it. What we call a ripped dude. A ripped dude. I didn't know you were a ripped dude. <laughs> and I never looked at that and thought like, I'm so put off by that. I don't, I don't feel seen. I feel they're shaming me for my body. Like I just never even crossed my mind. Never crossed my mind that that had anything to do with me. 
And it made total sense why people would want to see a ripped dude on the cover of a magazine and not me, for example. I didn't feel left out. Like, I felt like I had other things to offer at the time. But I didn't feel left out or excluded from that. I didn't need to see a fat boy on the cover of a fitness magazine. I just, it just never, it didn't seem like that was necessary. I didn't need it. And the same is true for mannequins. Like, I never looked at mannequins when I was shopping for clothes. Like, literally the most that I could have ever thought about it was if I saw a mannequin wearing something I liked. You ever see a mannequin wearing something you like, huh? Uh, if I saw a mannequin wearing something I liked, I would just be like, oh, I wonder if they have that in my size. You know, the same thing I would think, you know, in any circumstance, like the same, like this, the same thing if you saw somebody wearing a shirt you like, like a human being, like if you saw somebody walking around wearing a shirt you like, you wouldn't be like, man, I sure wish that looked like that guy looked like me. Like, let's use a band shirt, for example. Like, I remember in high school going to, to concerts sometimes and I'd see somebody at the show wearing a band, uh, wearing a band, a huge band. They were wearing a hu- the huge band shirt. They'd be wearing a band shirt. And if I liked that band, I'd be like, oh, that's a cool fucking shirt. I haven't seen that one before. And I want it. I want that shirt. How much for the shirt you're wearing? That's what happened. I occasionally see a shirt and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen that shirt by that band. That's fucking cool. I want it. I wouldn't look at it and be like, oh, it's a fat guy. It's a skinny guy wearing it. Oh, my God. There's a skinny guy wearing the shirt of that band. I want that shirt, but... There's a skinny guy wearing it, so I guess I won't buy it. It's the same thing. You know, mannequins are just, you know, they're made to look like people, if you didn't know. In the same way that, like, if you saw somebody wearing something you liked, you wouldn't think about their body type. You would just think about, like, oh, I'd like that in a size that fits me. Whether you're bigger or smaller than that person, you'd just be like, oh, it'd be cool if I had that shirt in a size that fits me. If your brain even goes there. But I'm just saying, like, like when you're shopping, when you when you, you know, when you're in the store... And if you see a mannequin wearing something you like, you're just going to think, yeah, let's see if they have it in my size. It's not like, oh, I can only buy that shirt if the mannequin looks like me. So that's a silly side of this. So, you know, when I saw that, though, I was just like, oh, yeah, there's there's more to this than just representation. This is obviously something that's gone off the rails because you can't be that person you can't be that manager at Target who says, I think we have enough fat mannequins out there. And because of the way this shit works, like the people who like that are going to keep pushing for more and more. Like they're going to turn the whole, you know, they're the machine who's built to make staplers. Who's going to turn the whole world into, into uh, <laughs> staplers. They're the machine that's built to make staples and they're going to turn the whole world into staples. Like, the way they think is that, like, you know, we need to turn the whole store into fat mannequins. We need to make every mannequin in the store fat. And you can't be that person who says enough fat mannequins because that to them, whether they believe this or not, the way they use that is to say, oh, so you hate fat mannequins. You hate fat people. What else do you hate? Oh, I, don't, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. You know, you become a monster to people when you do that. And I'm not even kidding. If you push back on progressivism, you become a monster to them. That's the craziest thing about it. 
You're not seen as just like, oh, you know, hey, that, that person doesn't agree. You're seen as, oh, you're a monster. Okay. I didn't know you were a monster. And uh, I went into the fat mannequin tirade again. I don't remember why I did that, but uh, there was something like the same idea, like just not being able to stop something once it starts happening. Like, oh, nothing can actually combat this. Nothing can actually stop this. It's not built into it. The brakes aren't built in. So this will just continue to go off the rails. It'll just keep mutating. And you see this, this happen in any number of different ways. And it's something people are going to do anyway. I think that's the thing, is that people are going to change anyway. People change no matter what. And I think that's easily forgotten. I think some people think that, I think some conservative people like think that they're not going to change if they think the way they think and live the way they live. And it's like, well, you're changing too. You might be riding the brake. I mean, maybe that's true sometimes. Like where conservative attitudes, you're riding the brake a little too much. You know, you want brakes in every part of the car. You want not just the driver to have a brake. You want the, the passenger to have a brake too, like a driver's ed instructor, instructor. So everybody can just hit the brakes. You're putting brakes in the back seat. Everybody's got their foot on the brake. You know, that can obviously go haywire too. Because I like change. I wouldn't want to just live in a world that's the same exact world that my great-grandparents lived in. I wish that it was a little more like that. You know, I, I wish that it had a little more of that than it does today. I don't wish it was that exact world. I just wish there was a little more of that still left. And that's where, like, my own kind of conservative attitudes come in where I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't like throwing the past away. But I do like things evolving and changing, and I know that that's inevitable anyway, so why the fuck would I fight it? It's just I think that we have to go at an organic pace. And uh, when you take on a certain viewpoint, like what you want becomes an inorganic goal really quickly, really quickly. And uh, I don't know, I mean... The fat mannequin thing, it was it was an epiphany for me because I was like, oh, there's nobody who can stop this. And, you know, to be honest, I don't know if I've even noticed any lately. I know they're still there, but I haven't really, I haven't looked at the clothes at Target in a while. I have not looked at the clothes in Target for a while. Um, and, I mean, you can see this with any kind of radical views where people cut themselves off. I mean, you see it with cults. It's one of the reasons you see cults commit mass suicide and do crazy things, commit terroristic acts, because they wall themselves off. They basically say, like, we're going to put our own little village in here, and we're not going to let any other villagers in unless they absolutely agree with us. But, of course, cults are gossip mills. Like, they're gossip gossiping about each other all day, every day. and it, But it turns into a feedback loop, too, where... They, they, they rapidly escalate. Like you don't hear about cults that have some sort of extreme view and sustain it over a really long period of time and then way later just all kill themselves. It seems to escalate really quickly. 
like Jim Jones and all that. I'm pretty sure that happened over a relatively short amount of time. And like it, maybe more than a decade or two decades. I, I don't even know. I'm, I'm going to look that up. I want to know how long it took for that. Uh, I want to know how long it took for that to go from just like the formation of the cult to. Uh, um, let's see. Let's just stick with the Jonestown idea. So. Nineteen seventy-three to seventy-eight, so it's five years. That's perfect. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like obviously he was doing stuff before that, but it seems like the Jonestown situation, that whole the whole Jonestown phenomenon took place in about five years, which is exactly what I'm saying. It's like they walled themselves off, this feedback loop gets created. They feel more and more cut off from everything around them. They feel more and more at odds with everything around them. They're intolerable. They're intolerant. And they start taking on a much more severe attitude, and then they just go out all at once. They just implode, or sometimes explode. And what we've seen recently is a lot like that. You know, we see online where, like, people wall themselves off. You know, no matter what their viewpoint is or what their ideology is, they wall themselves off. They block people. They only follow people, only pay attention to people who they either agree with or want to agree with. That's a part of it, too. It's not just that people agree with these people. It's that these are the people I want to agree with. These are the people I think are cool. These are the people I think are this. But the same sort of thing that happens in cults, like it's like the global village fucking has turned into a nightmare where people hate each other all day. So people end up creating these walled off areas of that village. But within that, they just all they can think about is what the people in the other walled off villages are doing. If you're a Twitter user and you just follow people on the left wing or the right wing, you're just getting that. And maybe even those people aren't enough. So you're getting deeper and deeper within a certain group of people. But if you notice what those people spend a lot of their time doing is obsessively gossiping and criticizing and attacking the people who are part of the other walled off village. That's all they can really think about. They get paranoid. They get, they've taken on more and more severe thinking. The way people talk about other people who don't agree with them right now is the exact same way People in cults talk about people who don't belong to their cult. Don't talk to them, but hate them. That's basically it. You know, they're trying to hurt us. That's what it is. They're trying to hurt us. And you start to see them in less and less human terms. You start to see them as monsters. And the criteria you use in this abstract version of this, because people aren't literally, it'd be a lot different if people were literally living in little walled off villages inside of the larger global village. If that was literally what was happening and it was physical, it'd be completely different because it's not, it's gotten even weirder. You know, it's, it's gotten even worse because it's like the network of people is distributed in a really unnatural way. It's good in so many ways. The things I'm talking about, like they all have a good side. 
the good side of the global village has been really obvious to me. Like I've been able to connect with people in my life that I never otherwise would have had contact with. I've gotten information I never would have had otherwise. I've learned so much. I've had so many good experiences by having more connection to the world and to people. But you have to use that consciously too. Like you have to know that that's why you're using it. Or for just entertainment or for bullshit or just because you want to, you know, see what's in the gutter sometimes. I mean, that's me. That's like cutting for me. Like in the same way I was saying, like making stupid jokes is like cutting or sometimes looking at garbage, looking at stuff I shouldn't be looking at. It's like taking a razor blade to my flesh, just giving myself a little cut, self-harm. It's kind of what it's like. But, uh, you know, the difference is, though, is it's like if you're deliberate about it and you're generally focused on using it to learn or find interesting things, it's a, it's a different experience. But it's very hard to focus just on that. Like, it's, it's way easier to get sucked into bullshit and negativity. It's way easier for the global village's gossip mill and tendency, tendency to break off into factions and everything to impact you. And I, I've been impacted by that myself. I'm guilty myself sometimes of like only paying attention to people who I either agree with or want to agree with. But I do make it a point of looking past that. Like I do make it a point of like giving things an objective chance sometimes. Just sometimes. Just even just as a palate cleanser. And I I have a standard for that though, like where I try to pay attention to people who I think I would like regardless of what they say. And I prefer to listen to people or pay attention to people who I would like them regardless of what they say, but I also like what they say. That's why I like my friends. It's like you're the kind of person I would like anyway, but it's even better that I agree with you. And so that's, that's kind of what I use. Like, what would I think about this person if I didn't agree with them? Because there's some people I agree with that I know I would not like as a person. And sometimes I pay attention to them, but I know what's going on. Like, if, I'm, if I put on a podcast with somebody who I agree with but don't like, while I'm listening to it, I'm like, man, this, this guy, like, <laughs> you know, this is not somebody I would want to spend time with. And it's good to recognize that. You know, the global village being the way it is, it's very easy to be like, oh, the reason I like people is because I agree with them. When that's not the approach you should take at all. Like, it's good if you like someone and you agree with them. But I think sometimes it's good to simply ask yourself, like, would I want to be friends with that person? It's a good question to ask in general about anybody you spend time with or talk to. Like, would I want to be friends with that person? And if not well, maybe there's still a purpose to paying attention to them or knowing them or anything. But you at least know, like, this is a very, uh, this is a very circumstantial thing. And I don't know, more and more, like, I, I just, I hear so many people talk, so many people, and I'm just like, man, would I want to be friends with this person? Probably not. But I think that's the nice thing about being in the global village is it's like you can make that distinction. It's not just this person needs to think exactly the way I think. And you can see this, this tendency is natural among friends. Like I've had conversations with friends before, good friends, if they're close enough, where 
they're people who I have more in common with than anybody in the world. But if like one of them is like, oh, check out this band, check out this band. And I listen to it and I'm like, I am not into it. They're like, what? They want to reconcile that. And I do it to them where it's like, how can you not like this? Like you want to sync up. If you're already very synced up, like let's say you have a friend and you listen to like all the same types of music and have very similar taste. They get into something you don't like. They tell you about it. They find out you don't like it. They're like, what? I thought we were in harmony here. I thought we were one organism. And you laugh it off. Like it's not a big deal if you're friends with somebody. You don't care that your friend doesn't like one thing you don't like. But your initial response is to be like, huh? What? It's especially true with beliefs. Where it's like when you find out that somebody doesn't share your beliefs, like if you care about them, you're going to try to reconcile that and be like, are you sure you don't agree with me? But if you don't care about them, if you're not invested in them, if they're a stranger or, or just somebody you don't care about, your response is going to be like, fuck you. Yeah, you don't, you don't agree with me? Fuck you. I hate people who don't agree with me, which is the source of all of our problems right now. I hate people who don't agree with me. That's actually the definition of bigot. We really are in an age, you know, that word has been so abused, but it's, we, we really are in an age of bigotry right now. It's incredible to witness. I get a lot of entertainment out of it sometimes. It's that cutting thing again. You know, me putting the razor blade against my flesh just to feel, feel something. Sometimes <laughs> This makes it sound terrible, but like just to feel something sometimes. I'm like, I want to see these bigots in action. Bigots in action. Doing the sexton. Bigots in action. Doing the sexton. But uh, bigots in act action doing the sexton. Uh, I want to see it sometimes just to be like, oh yeah, this is entertaining to see. It's like watching a movie or something to me. If you don't react to it, because like your impulse is to react. Like If you see somebody saying something you don't agree with in a harsh way or a way that you find very disagreeable, your response is to have an emotional reaction like anger. You might want to hit somebody. You might think, I wish I could hit them. But if you don't react that way, like if you don't have an emotional response and you just think, I'm just watching this. These are just bubbles on a stream. Getting Buddhist here. These are just bubbles floating down a stream. Then you can just look at it and be like, this is, this is the human drama. This person, this is like watching a character in a movie engage in some silly bullshit. Like you might watch a movie or TV show and care about what the characters are doing. But in reality, it's just a bunch of silly bullshit. You just happen to like it because you got sucked into the the literal drama of it, the little the literal theater. But you can do that with life, you know. And you don't want to get too far with that. You don't want to see all life as as a theater or anything. Like life is real. But I think sometimes it's fun, at least for me, to like be like, I want to see people react to a celebrity who got caught sex doing the sexton. He got caught doing the sexton with a bunch of women. Sometimes it's fun to see how people react to that. Like it's almost like watching characters in a show or movie. They're not that interesting. You don't want to you don't want to read anything else they wrote. You don't want to hear anything else they say. But I think you can look at it and just be like, "Oh yeah, this is all just the human drama. This is all just what goes on in the the global village." And it's interesting to see the different ways that people react to that. Yeah.
This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free